0: I wanna do something a little bit different, I'm just gonna talk for a few moments today and then we're, going to, we're gonna have a time of worship again. Um, just keep your hand up and they'll get to you. But I wanna start with this idea. Have you ever experienced the presence of God in a way where you just knew something was going on? Like, like something was happening you know, we've been in this series called Better, The Promise of the Holy Spirit. And we've been talking about how the Spirit of God works in our lives. And it's been a really fun series. I mean, I, I am enjoying this series. It's doing something for me. If it's not doing anything for you, that's cool. It's doing something for me. And, and that's enough for me. But here's... here's Here's what I, th- I think we're gonna talk today for a few moments about the presence of God in our lives. And I remember there's three examples that I wanna give you. And I, I got a whole bunch more, but three examples where I was in a moment where I knew God was present. And one of them was in the Weminuche wilderness. <laughs> the what? The Weminuche Wilderness of the Southern Colorado Mountains. Uh, the mountains part of the Continental Divide and right in the middle of Colorado and, and the, the, the water f- f- in our rivers going both directions east and west from that place and the Weminuche Wilderness has something called the Chicago Basin and we were climbing, we were off trail 45 pounds on my back. We went 45 miles over eight days and I didn't think I could do it. I didn't, I didn't know if I could m- do that kind of thing. And there was this one day where we're, we're hiking and we're going up and we must have ascended 2,000, maybe 3,000 feet in that, in that day and we we're off the trail. So we're just, I mean, we are chopping through, we are going, just finding our way up and it was an Im- incredible challenge. <laughs> And I got, we got up to the top, and as you come out over this ridge, the sad part of the day is about every, I don't know, about every two or three hours, you would be like, there it is, there's the ridge, and then no. <laughs> You're like, okay, here it is, we're good, we're almost there. No. We'd, we'd start at about 8 o'clock in the morning, and we got there about, 10, about 6 p.m. in the afternoon, and I remember we got, we got up and that final ridge and you come over that ridge and there's this huge basin, just, just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of yards of this grassy bowl with peaks all around it. It was incredible. For a second I thought it's just because we made it. But then no, there was something supernatural about that moment. Looking at creation and seeing the beauty and the wonder and the incredible created order. It was awesome. We gathered as a team and we met another team that was climbing up another direction and we gathered there and it was this incredible place of worship for us that evening around the campfire. Another example for me was when I, my wife and I had a baby, we had five of them actually, and who are we kidding? I didn't have any of them. She had five of our babies. And I remember at each one, there's a moment, you know, he, we had four boys and one girl. He or she comes out into this world and there's nothing but messiness and tears. And even conjuring up the memory right now is emotional for me as a dad. And I remember on this one specific occasion, there's my my daughter. She's the one that I kind of remember out of of all. They all have unique memories, but I, I have this one unique memory of holding my daughter Grace when she was born in 1999. It's amazing how those memories just stick, right? And I'm holding her, everything is done, the, the doctors and nurses have disappeared, she's clean. And Amy is happy again. <laughs> and I'm holding her. And I remember remember bowing my head and praying over her and praying for her life and praying for her family that would one day sort of become her own. I was praying for her spouse. I was praying for her abilities and her, her, her strength to be able to make it through hard times and I was asking for God's grace to be in her life. It was a profound moment. God was in that room. The third example I want to give you, and and there are others that I could give you, we could talk about it all day because I think God wants to show up at all kinds of moments in your life. But the third example is in the break room at Wendy's Hamburgers. (laughs) I worked there between age 15 and 19 on North Avenue in Grand Junction, Colorado. And I remember being in the break room and sitting down with a guy named Christopher and we were just eating our chili. I don't know what it was about Wendy's chili at that time but I loved it. It's really gross to me now but I was eating chili and we were eating together and we're just talking a little bit and the conversation turned to God. I remember as a 16-year-old, he was, I think he was 18, about ready to go to college. And we started talking about God, and as I began to share about Jesus, something happened in that room, little break room, bunch of cups and plates everywhere, and every, all the stock, stock that we had of all the stuff, and we're sitting back there at a little table, we're just eating our Chili. And God showed up in that place as I started to share the wonder of Jesus. And I could could feel, I could tell his heart was opening to God himself. What a miracle. We can talk about the Holy Spirit for several weeks here and still miss the idea that he wants to be with us. One chapel has a, a motto and um, it comes from our three basic values that we've been using since we started at the movie theater and that is presence, relationship, and mission. And what I, what I want to encourage you in is we are still a community that is presence-based. Presence-based, what does that mean? It, mean? it means that we believe that God is present and active among us. He's not just present and not doing anything. He's not just doing stuff from far away. He is present and he is active among us. We sense it when we come to worship together. We sense it when we're in small groups together. We sense it when we're at work and God is trying to speak through us to a coworker in the next cubicle. We sense his presence. We are presence based. Now, some people are like, presence based? What is that? I've heard of Bible based. Are you not Bible based? <laughs> no, we believe the Bible. We believe that it is God's words to us. It is a record of God's interaction with humanity all across the planet over many centuries. And it was given to us as an inspired word from God, about the message of Jesus. Jesus is its central character. No, we believe the Bible. But as a community, we are presence-based. One of the reasons for that is is I don't think you can really understand the Bible unless you have the work of the Spirit illuminating it. I know lots of people who have read the Bible over lots of decades and you know, professors and other people trying to figure out religion or what their life is about and they read the Bible and if, if they don't have the spirit illuminating it, it doesn't quite make sense. And so today I want you to understand that ever since the Garden of Eden where, where disobedience came into a perfect realm that God has been actively pursuing, actively desiring, to be with people, with people. That's what he wants. If you look at the, we won't take time to do it right now, but if you look at the Garden of Eden and the perfection of it and then this disobedience, Adam and Eve reaching to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil of which they were told not to eat and, and then this disobedience, this sinful state, their eyes are opened and suddenly they get, af- they get afraid, they're fearful, they're ashamed of themselves. Suddenly this, there's this whole thing that begins to play out and they hide from God. And he comes to them and says, where are you? He's pursuing them. He, he's coming to them. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be distant from, he, he actually provides for them a covering. They've tried to cover themselves. God provides something else. It's, a, it's the first sacrifice of the story of the Bible. And he covers them. But over and over throughout history, there's the tent of meeting with God's people when they were delivered from Egypt and sent into the wilderness. God instructs Moses to build a tabernacle, a place, and they called it the tent of meeting. Exodus 25, 8 through 9 says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live where? (laughs) Where? live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. And he showed them a pattern. And and they were on the move. They were were in the wilderness. And here's the thing I want you to get about this that's so profound is that as, as they moved into different territories, different people groups on their way to the promised land, everybody would have known, including them, that the gods of that territory needed to be appeased to receive blessing. That's how pagan religions functioned in that day. And still to this day, there is a, there is a thing about principalities and powers over s- geographical areas. But because the people of God were on the move from Egypt and they're moving through the wilderness. It took them quite a long time by the way, 40 years. It wasn't that long, it was about a four week journey. It's like, a, it's like this crazy thing, these, these three million people or more wandering through the wilderness and learning how to obey God and, and you're gonna have a, a tabernacle and you're gonna, you're gonna carry it everywhere you go so they make camp. And they'd put the tabernacle right there and, and, and surround it with, with all the different um, uh, groupings of people, all the tribes, and then, and, and then Moses and Aaron and the priests would begin to meet with him, and then, so they, they'd pack that thing up, and then they'd set it back down. They'd pack it up, and then they'd set it down. They'd pack it up, and then they'd set it down wherever they were. And the message was, I am your God I'm not limited by geographical spaces. I own it all. And here's the miracle, I want to be with you. I want to go with you. Does that make sense? If you think about it, that's part of the reason why the people of God kept stumbling into the worship of other gods. It's because of this mindset, oh, we gotta appease these other gods. I I gotta get more blessing, I gotta get crops. I gotta, I'm, they they would stumble around and worship the idols of the people groups around them. God was trying to tell them something. I wanna be with you. If you go along in the story, the Temple of Solomon is another place 1 Kings eight twenty seven through 30 says, but will God really live on earth? Why, even the heavens, the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Solomon understood something. He was tapping into something. Nevertheless, listen to my prayer and my plea, plea O Lord. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is making you today. May, may you watch over this temple night and day, this place where you have said my name will be there. In other words, my authority, my character my love, my nature. May you always hear the prayers I make toward this place. May you hear the humble and earnest requests from me and your people Israel when we pray toward this place. Yes, hear us from heaven where you live and when you hear, forgive. Solomon was saying, we've built this temple and we want to be near you. And God was putting his blessing on the place. If you look through and you read that story, there was a cloud that enveloped them at the dedication of this temple that overwhelmed them so much they couldn't even do what they were assigned to do. The presence was so heavy. Number three, the presence of God comes later on in the person of Jesus. The virgin will conceive, Matthew says, and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God, what does it say there? God with us. And finally, Jesus himself, he he gives his disciples this message as he's about to leave, and in John fourteen sixteen through 17, he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. What a miraculous thing. I talk to people sometimes about coming together for worship and there's something different very often that happens when you're here versus when you're alone. You're worshiping alone, there's a certain con- con- connection with God, but then something else happens when you're with a bunch of people and you're singing and there's something what is that? I what I want to tell you, what I want to encourage you in is it is the collaboration of God's people coming together and what's in them begins to vibrate together. There's a resonance that begins to happen because you're in a place where the Holy Spirit is active inside people and you begin to feel that. What is that? That is the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is God's presence here on the earth. The sense of God's nearness is the Holy Spirit. The experience you have when when we're worshiping together like that, that's the Holy Spirit. The little nudge you sense to call a friend and encourage them, that's the Holy Spirit. The little voice that's speaking to you to go this way or that way or warning us or convicting us to stop sinning, that's the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.33 says, now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven. He's talking about Jesus. Where is Jesus in all this? I thought Jesus was in my heart. (laughs) He is by the Spirit. We do a disservice when we try to make Jesus our little tiny pet that lives in our heart. He is so much more massive and amazing and revelation describes him as eyes burning with fire and a sword coming out of his mouth, which is super weird, but I know what the the imagery is about. He's so powerful and his word can cut, like Hebrews says, between soul and spirit. And so Christ dwells with you in you by his spirit but it is the Holy Spirit that does that work and where is is Jesus then? He is exalted to the highest place of honor. Peter says in Acts two at God's right hand and the Father as he had promised gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. I wanna talk to you just for another moment or two about God's personal presence. God's personal presence is the source of two things personal freedom is the first one personal freedom is the first one i want you to I want you to see that 2 Corinthians 3 but i'm going to start in verse 7 and this is the apostle paul and he's talking about he's he's talking about an idea that to the Corinthian church the church that gathers at Corinth, he's talking to them and trying to help them understand the new covenant versus the old covenant. In verse 7, he says, now, if the ministry that brought death was engraved in letters of stone, now, check that out, the ministry that brought, brought, brought death, in other words, in other words, the standard of the law is what he's talking about, and how that, that created a certain death or penalty for breaking it he says which was engraved in letters of stone came with glory in other words in other words there was a glory on the mountain when Moses received the loss so he'll describe it here in just a second so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory transitory though it was in other words what would happen is Moses would go up on the mountain and he would would talk with God and then he'd come down and his face was glowing And and that, sadly, that freaked all of God's people out. It freaked them out. So it says in verse 8, Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious than that? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness or right standing with God? Verse 10, For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison to the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory, in other words, transitional, came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? With Moses, his, his face would glow, and then the glow would subside. And then he'd go back with, then he would glow, and then it would subside. And then I want you to see what Paul says here. He says, therefore, since we have such a hope in this new covenant, in this new way, in the way of the Spirit, he says, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We don't have to be, we don't have to be um, afraid. We don't have to be apprehensive. We can be bold because we are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull for to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. When you just try to live with your own strength to try to do what God wants you to do without the revelation of Christ and His grace, it produces death instead of life. Christ came to to give us life, verse 15. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now I think he's talking to some people that understood this sort of sense of history about Moses. Right, so there's some Jewish people sprinkled into this place, and there, there would have been sort of a general knowledge. But I think what we experience in our day, in our culture, in, in, in the West, is we, we wear a veil, we wear a mask. Why do we wear masks? Because we don't want people to see what's going on inside. We're a, and so it's the, kind of the opposite. <laughs> we wear a veil because we don't have it all put together here. And we just want to present something good. And I, think, and I think there's something here that Paul wants to tell us through this letter to this church with people that may be similar to us. Second Corinthians verse 17, he says, now the Lord, so he's kind of gone through this whole thing. This is amazing. We have a new way. That's the old way. Opt for the new way. And then he says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces, unveiled faces, we don't walk around hiding from people, we don't walk around hiding what Christ has done, right? See, some of you, you, Christ has done something in your heart, but you're still afraid to take the veil off, because you're afraid you'll be rejected, because you, you don't have it all together. I want to encourage you to let other people see the work of Christ messy as it is inside of you because that's where the spirit is doing his work. And so we, un- we unveil our faces and we reflect or contemplate, one translation says, we reflect the Lord's glory, his goodness, his overwhelming transforming goodness. And he says, and are being transformed. Everybody say Transformed. Just underline it right there in your message notes, transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. I love this because you, you know what ever increasing glory means? It means there 's a little bit at the front there 's just a little bit at the fr- at first, and then it grows and then then there 's more glory and then there 's more glory and then there 's more and then there 's more, more and God just keeps wanting to pour it out on you and me. He wants to give it to us over and over again, and look what he says, with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The Spirit. You've heard me say this a lot over the last few years, but freedom is not the absence of something but the presence of someone. Freedom is not the absence of something It's the presence of someone. Here's what I want to suggest to you is we, (laughs) the job of transformation. Whose job is that? We think it's our job when really the job of transformation is the work of his spirit. (laughs) You cannot transform yourself. Training is just learning, right? Which is good. But there's a transformation that is the work of his spirit inside of you that goes beyond your ability to make it right. His, the work of His Spirit and the Spirit of God is always working and, and He loves wherever you are. If you'll just follow Him, if you'll turn to Him, oh Pastor Ross, you don't know how, you don't know how many things I've just, oh, I just get so tired because I just can't seem to get it all together and I have issues in my history. and my. You don't think God knows all that? See, we think that the Holy Spirit comes and he's like, oh yeah, mm, you really need to work on that for a while before I can do anything. (laughs) If you could just go ahead and work that out, then I'll come and bless you. That's kind of how we think of it. Nothing could be further from the truth. I think the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us see that we've received an adoption as sons and daughters according to Romans 8. And at that adoption means we've been accepted and loved even in our own sinful state. And we've turned to Jesus who is the Messiah, the one who took our sins and, and made it so that we could have freedom in Him. And that is a work of His Spirit. We are born of the Spirit and when that happens, the Holy Spirit's job over and over again is celebrating every step of righteousness and power in your life. It's like a, it's like a child, you, you, you kind of heard me say this before, it's like a child when, and, and parents, and you're do, taking your first step, you ever, you ever seen that? It's like, come on, you can do come on, come on, you can do it, and then <laughs> you do You ever seen it? And then, can, have you ever seen a parent just go, oh, is that, is that all you can do? <laughs> oh, come on, we've been working on this forever. I'm just sick and tired of it, you know? How many more days am I gonna have to do this? You ever seen a parent do that? Of course not, it's ridiculous. Why then do we project that onto God? Why do we project that onto him? His spirit is right there, he's saying, come on, come on, come on. And you take a step and you go, (laughs) and you're like, that's okay, it's all right, you're all right, come on, get back up, come on, come on with me, come on. That's the work of the spirit and I want you to see it that we, we, we keep trying things and we think, we think he's after compliance and obedience when what's he's, all he's after is surrender. Just come to him. His personal presence is what reveals freedom. You can be in the midst of the most difficult circumstances of your life. You can be working on the most addicting issue in your life and feel so convicted about it. And here's what most people do is they focus their attention on the addiction. They focus their attention on what's wrong. They focus their attention on the problem. And when they focus their attention on the problem, they miss the point of what God is doing. Because freedom is not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone who's gonna work on you who's gonna help you, who's gonna to speak to you. You're working on your marriage right now, you think the problem is the other person. Come on, we've been married for so long, 11 years. <laughs> I know some of you are like, some of you are like, no, no, that's not a long time. 11 years, I just can't take it anymore, he's the problem. You can have freedom in the middle of that process if you will believe that he's not the problem and that the presence of the Holy Spirit is the empowerment, the grace, the goodness, for whatever you're facing. The second idea is personal peace. God's personal presence is the source of personal peace and I'll end with this. John 14, 26 through 27 says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now this is so cool. He's talking about the Holy Spirit and in the same breath John records these words, and I don't think it's a mistake. I think he's rec- recalling what Jesus had said to them, and he says in the next breath, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to, the wor- to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. The presence of the Holy Spirit is the presence of peace in the midst of trial, struggle, trouble. Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled and don't be afraid. You see, peace is not the absence of our anxiety, but the presence of our advocate. The presence of our advocate, it's the only way you can kind of get rid of that anxiety. I know you want to take the shortcut and just take a pill. Most of America does. That's why we have an opioid crisis. I'm not saying that there aren't moments when when medicine and God's work can come together. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we opt for the easy access to something that'll tone down our anxiety, I want to submit to you today that the presence of the Holy Spirit is the presence of peace. Here's how Brother Lawrence described it. Brother Lawrence was a a cook in a kitchen in a monastery, a monastery, and all these holy guys are walking around, and they're praying, and they're writing, and they're doing all this stuff. Well, the cook in the kitchen got the revelation. (laughs) We don't hear from any of those other other monks. (laughs) What has lasted for centuries is a little book, some little writings of Brother Lawrence called The Practice of the Presence of God. The practice of the presence, yes, you can practice it. And his premise was, you know, I can be here cutting these carrots and I sense his presence, his pleasure. Did you ever see that movie, Chariots of Fire? He says this famous line, when I run, I feel his pleasure. That's what he says. I feel God's pleasure. Brother Lawrence knew that we could do things and carry on a conversation while we're doing them. He called it a habitual secret and silent conversation with God throughout our day. I want you to put your stuff away and we're gonna return to worship. And I want you to, I want you to pause here because we're going to practice His presence. We're just going to take a few minutes. I'll I'll give you one look at your watch. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, Go look at it. Okay, now put it down. I want you to just... have a moment where you set your attention on him in a different way than you've been doing even throughout this service. Because sometimes going to church you can just, you're like you're just focused on the activities of worship. Today I want you to have a moment with God and the presence of the Holy Spirit and if you need his peace, if you need his freedom he's here. You might hear Him speak to you, you might, you might hear His voice, you might sense that He's with you. And I want you to cultivate that kind of awareness because, because really God's presence is waiting. <laughs> he's waiting, he's, he's here. It's our awareness that has to change. And so, Father, we come to you over the next few minutes. We stop all the hustle and the bustle, the busyness, the the work, our thoughts just spinning. What's next? What has been? We, we, We take all those thoughts and we collect them all and then we pour them out on you. Every thought, we just pour it out at the foot of the cross of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place and into our hearts in a way that maybe we haven't done. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord.